In church. Feel a little profession now with this tell mic on. I like this. We are easy, I know. I, I hear you. I hear you. A little loud and I'm loud and clear, right? You guys hear me okay here? Good? Excellent. Well, as brothers and sisters, as, uh, as also, as we've all also invited visitors here today, let's make sure that, uh, as it says in Scripture, you will know their love, or should I say, you'll know that they're my disciples by the love for one another. So let's all stand up at this time for one minute, give out some love, give out some encouragement, and introduce yourself maybe to somebody you have not seen. See you, Frankie. Hey, Amen. Let's go ahead and bring it back in. Find your way back to your seats. Let's make it our way right back on in. Father in heaven, it is a privilege to be here this morning, Father. Thank you so much for allowing each one of us to come here and make it here safely. I do pray that if there is anyone still making their way here, that they will get here safely to be able to uh, just be a part of the fellowship and be able to hear your word. Father, we thank you so much. We are so privileged, Father, to be a part of this church. You've given us so much. Your blessings have been poured out onto us, Father, for so many years. May we not turn back from you, but may we always love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We thank you for this time. Please take me out of the way. Allow your spirit to work through me in a powerful way. It's in your son, Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Very encouraged to be able to speak with you through God's word this morning. Uh, some of you know, especially my teens, um, uh, even for those of you who are visiting that may not know who I am. My name is Terrence Spencer, and I have a wonderful wife, Leah Spencer. We have two beautiful boys, uh, Terrence Jr. and also Caden Spencer. And um, we actually lead the youth and family ministry, ministry here in the Inland Empire. But uh, as my teens know, and I always tell them, uh, I'm into the basics. I love the basics. The basics are what help us to grow spiritually. It's what helps us to stay grounded spiritually. Amen? When we lose the basics, uh, when we think that uh, we have things on track spiritually, a lot of times we have to be brought back to the basics, to the very simple truths of God's Word. Our theme scripture, even for this lesson, Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 4. It says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What a very convicting scripture, isn't it? To humble ourselves like a child, not act like a child. Make sure to clear that up real quick, right? But to have the humility of a child. I remember my first year as a disciple, just kind of thinking back. I, I, I think we all need to do this. Go back to what it felt like. What were we like when we first became Christians? What did it feel like coming out of those waters of baptism? After you studied the Bible, after you really found out who God really was and who you really were before God and really seeing God's love. My first year, I kind of wrote down some things here that I really reflected on and how I felt and really what I think uh, other people not only saw, but also what I saw, too, within my own character was my heart was softer than I ever had imagined it in my entire life. I had never felt my heart that soft that first year, that first time I uh, really saw God's love. All changes in my life were seen through a what perspective rather than a why perspective. People who were completely different than me became close friends because the Holy Spirit is what bonded us. I looked at correction as a sign of love, not criticalness. I not only endured being rebuked, I actually encouraged it. It was an adrenaline rush to get in the Bible with someone. You ever felt that? Wow, it felt so good, didn't it? To know that you're sitting down, opening up God's word, showing someone things that, man, you know that it's going to change their life if they accept it. Going on evangelistic expeditions up in Lawrence, Kansas, were like going to a football game. Standing up for God and debating scripture felt exciting. Getting kicked out of the ball or a venue for sharing your faith was an honor. Giving sacrificially of your time, of your money, was a joy and a privilege. Watching someone get baptized was more than just a clap. It was emotionally exhilarating, wasn't it? You knew something big was going to happen. Having my quiet times with God actually made my day. It didn't just start my day. It made my day. Praying to God seemed like a pleasant dream. When I finally opened up my eyes... And raised my head. I said, wow. This feels so good. I had never felt that before in my entire life. Here's the question. Does that still exemplify our spiritual walk right now? All the things that I just talked about, about how it really felt to really have that heart softened, to really have the heart of a child. Is that where we are right now? Would other people say that exemplifies your walk with God right now? Bottom line, it's a fight to stay consistently humble as a child would stay humble, the way they receive God's kingdom. Amen? The title of today's, should I say this morning's lesson, is not a comment. It's actually a question. Are you still converted? Are you still converted? You know, instead of having our usual three-point lesson structure, I decided to kind of take us in a different direction. You okay with that? Something a little bit different here. Let's have a discipling time. How do you feel about that? We're going to look at five different areas of our lives and actually reevaluate. If you still have the humility of a child, 
that our Father in heaven is looking for. Amen? Amen. Well, number one, let's start with discipling. You know, I purposely started with this area first because this is usually the first area in which we lose humility as we walk that walk, don't we? And we talk that talk of a disciple. Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know, the mere thought of someone taking a couple hours out of their day to help sharpen me and help me to become better for God, you know, that blew my mind. That blew my mind. Are we numb to that now? Do we feel like people should? They ought to. They better. Or are you still blown away by that? That people are actually willing to invest a couple hours each week to sit down and help you become better for God, to help you to see who you really are and to really help mature you as a young man, as a young woman, as an older man, as an older woman, wherever you are, but to help you to be better for God. I'll never forget the people involved in my life. The first year when I was in Lawrence, Kansas, Clyde and Sharice King, Steve and Shonda Stevenson, Nathan and Sean Millhouse. Do people in your mind, do they still, do you still have these people's names in your mind that invested their lives in you? Help you to come back to the basics when, if you started to just drift a little bit, really bring you back and really give you even more convictions in what you needed. Or are you more concerned about what kind of discipling you're getting? We can be focused on that too, aren't we? What kind of discipling you're getting rather than just the fact that I have somebody invested in my life. Is that good enough? Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8 For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Whoever is in your life is in your life for a reason. Do you believe that? Is that a thought that we have really taken in and really understand that? I mean, I've been a disciple now 10 years. May 2nd, 2001, I became a disciple. And I remember the people involved in my life. And I have to sit there and say, I have, even over the years, I have even had thoughts in my head that have popped in from time to time. Is this person really supposed to be the person in my life? God doesn't make mistakes, does he? He never has and he never will. Wherever you're at right now in your own walk, whoever is in your life right now, they are in your life for a reason. And that is to help build you up to be better for God. You know, the thoughts of my kids, you know, once a week, they may go see my mom and dad. They are ecstatic about going to see my mom and dad once a week. Do we feel that way about our brothers and sisters? Mm. Or right now, even me saying that, it's kind of like the hair raises up on your back. Something that we really evaluate in our hearts, isn't it? What about that excitement, that excitement of going to see someone, helping them to grow spiritually, even helping you to go to grow spiritually? Isn't it amazing how we can sit there and go to a time with somebody to help them to grow, but then all of a sudden we walk out going, I think I got more from that than they did. How many times have we felt like that? Over and over again. I get with youth, and sometimes I can feel that way. Did I really do anything here? Because I feel like I just grew right now. But that's the beauty, isn't it? That's the beauty of iron sharpening iron is that we get encouraged in that way. It helps us to be better men and better women for God. Since we're called to love one another deeply, 
Let's focus on having a heart like that. Amen? Amen. Let's look at a second basic thing. This here, um, you know, I think this is something that is definitely worth talking about as a basic, which is leadership. Are we still in awe of the people who are willing to invest their lives to preach, train, develop, and inspire others to fight the good fight? I remember coming from the world and being around a lot of great leaders, being, a lot, being around a lot of great people that had a lot of great influence. But I never felt so, uh, to be honest, I never felt so intimidated in my life than coming to the church and seeing the way brothers had convictions about areas in life that I know the world never had. And it was in awe. I was in awe of what I had seen. Even still now, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I look at... Mike Rock, Doug Wynn, Steve Lounsbury, Danny Saltz, his brothers in our own region here, and I'm, and I'm in awe of them. I feel privileged. I feel honored to be on staff. I look at the men that are leading this church. I, I honestly, sometimes I step outside of that box and I go, it's them. Because I feel just so much like, wow, it, I mean, it just takes so much. It takes so much character. It takes so much to be a true man of God, to be a true woman of God. I'm in awe still of leadership. Are we still in awe of leadership is the question. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you. Does that scripture, does it encourage you or does it worry you? If it encourages you, I think you're in a very great place spiritually. If that worries you, you must ask yourself, where is my childlike humility? You know, one of the things I hear quite often, and... Um, you know, I, I think this is, you know, this is part of my character. I actually like, I like for myself to be called out on the carpet, and I also like to challenge myself. I also like to challenge others, too, and even call others to the carpet. I think God wants us to really have that heart to sharpen each other, even in that way. Say the things that may not necessarily rub you the right way, but it's going to help us to grow, right? Here's one of the things I hear quite often. And... You know, I definitely have to say it can rub me the wrong way. Is I don't want things to go back to the way they used to be before. I don't want things to go back to that again. I've heard that a few times. But I also got to think about it was that in which helped save your soul. It was that in which you were brought up into the kingdom of God, and you started to mature and understand who God really was. And I've had many talks, many talks, many one-on-one talks, even about that saying there. Is it easier for you to obey and submit to your boss at work or to leaders who have been entrusted to God's people? Something we all have to check our hearts on from time to time, right? And this is a very sensitive topic. I know that. But I do understand that it's also basics. It's also basics, even though it's a very sensitive topic. You know, our church, we have a history, right? Just like any other church, we have a history, don't we? And with that, there's great, there's great things. There's also there's many victories. 
But at the same time, there's also been many challenges. So I'm not going to avoid talking about it, even though it's a sensitive area. I will continue to speak it. Amen. You know, I love my brothers sincerely from the bottom of my heart and my sisters. I want to call us all to step up to the plate and be better men and women for God and not think about the past. Because remember, love keeps no record of wrongs, does it? Love keeps no record of wrongs. In order for us to move on and be who we need to be, we have to be able to move forward and look at what are the basics in my life that are lacking right now that is holding me back from being who I need to be. Maybe that first year as you were a Christian, that zeal that you had, do you still, are you still zealous for God? When you think about God, does it make you excited? When you think about this next area right now that I'm going to talk about, does it make you excited? The third thing, evangelism. Are we excited about evangelism, church? Ah, mmm, mmm. See what I mean by the basics? Let me give you a quick story real quick. When I first went to Baker University in Kansas, once again, you already know, I don't know why I was there until I obviously found out I became a disciple, but year 2000, we uh, started off the season 7-0. We were were undefeated. This is the year 2000, another team in our division that was also undefeated. They were 7-0. We came together. And it was all on the papers, all everything. It was just a big deal. In the fourth quarter of that game, three minutes, I still remember, three minutes and 42 seconds left in the game. We were up 13-0. We thought the game was over. We actually ended up losing that game 14-13. We were looking around and we said, how in the world did that happen? We don't even understand how that happened. We said, how did that happen? When we went the next morning and we watched the film of the game, it's amazing. But the things that we learned before we even had our first game, we stopped doing in that last three minutes and 42 seconds of the game. The basics. The little things matter, don't they? The basics is what left us. In the same way spiritually, we do the same thing. We get very confident spiritually, don't we? Sometimes we can think we're going at a very good pace. We can get into a mode of just feeling like, you know what, everything's going okay right now. I can kind of take a break. But it's when we do that that Satan gets a foothold and we find ourselves struggling with things that we have never struggled with before. Finding our convictions getting soft. Evangelism. When I said right now we're excited about evangelism, it's amazing, but there are pockets of excitement. But why not everybody shouting for joy? Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Basic scripture. We know it all very well. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here's one of the things I love about my kids. You know, they have no problem walking up to complete strangers, telling people how awesome our church is and inviting them to church. That's called true evangelism from the heart, isn't it? How excited are we when we come and talk about the church? Do we have a zeal? Is there a light that comes on our face when we talk about the goodness of God, when we talk about how great our fellowship is? 
Or in the back of our heads, are we thinking about some of the things we have issues with? Some of the things that are challenging. But not realizing that God is the big picture. Not realizing that what we have, even as I prayed in the beginning, what we have, nobody has what we have here. Do we feel grateful about that? Sometimes we can get a little numb, a little dull in our senses. We struggle spiritually when we're not involved in planting and watering seeds of faith. We struggle bad spiritually. There's one of the things, there's three things sometimes that I sit down and when I, when I know somebody's going through some really um, tough times in their life, I'll ask them three questions. I'll say, how's your time with God going? Or, how's your prayer life going? Or, who are you in a Bible study with? One of those areas, as we know, if you don't have all those areas on straight, you're probably going to be struggling, aren't you? And what I've come to find out recently is that there's not a lot of people that are really sitting down and showing people how to become Christians. Sitting down, showing people how, what it takes to be a true disciple of Christ. Can you sit down with someone one-on-one and show them what it takes to become a disciple? Something we have to really check our hearts on, right? Something we have to really think about. Could we leave here after the church services or we go to Starbucks, sit down and somebody says, you know what? I was really thinking about having a relationship with God. Can you help me out with that? Could you sit down and show them what it takes to love God and seek God? Can you sit down and even walk them through that study? If the shoe fits, wear it, right? This is something, guys, we cannot be afraid to even talk about or challenge others with. If we are disciples of Christ, we call ourselves disciples, we have got to be prepared and ready to sit down and do exactly what Jesus' purpose was, which was to seek and save the lost. He's used us to do that. He's used us to sit down and help people see him clearly. Not fuzzy, not unclear, right? But to see him clearly. The next thing, let's talk about relationships. Number four, relationships. Has the beauty of God's kingdom become unattractive to you? John 13, 34 through 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, one of the things I also, you know, I hear this most commonly probably from teens. But I do have to say, even as adults, we have to really be careful of this. And, you know, I think we all can get caught up in this from time to time. But it's kind of become, I think, a little bit of a pet peeve to me. And, um, you know, I've actually uh, heard this before, which is the reason why I'm not close to this person, because they're so different than me. Hmm. I heard some giggles out there, too. Brothers and sisters. First Corinthians, chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child. I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. That's not to negate the scripture. That was a theme scripture to start off with in Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 4. But that is to say, if we have that 
perspective on really being close to our brother and sister. We need to check our heart because the second thing, also scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16, says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. It is the Holy Spirit that bonds us. You guys understand that? It's the Holy Spirit that bonds us, not our personalities. Oh, I can sit down and think about it. I mean, I just, actually last week, I just had one of my teens say that. They said, well, I just, I don't know, I don't feel real close to this person because they're just so different than me. And I said, wow, no, 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 no. We've got to change that thought. It's a renewing, it's a transformation, right? Romans 12, isn't it? We have to renew our mind. We have to transform our thinking, don't we? We do not, re- we do not, we do not view anyone from a worldly perspective, from a worldly point of view. When we're dealing with our brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what your personality is like. It, I mean, hey, some of us say, hey, I, I, I've been called annoyed. I've been called annoying, should I say. Sure, some of you know that. My wife, my lovely wife. Yeah, surely not, right? But, you know, my lovely wife has said, babe, you need to calm down. You're getting a little irritating right now. In love. Right, right. Amen. In love. Now, by saying that, should she pull her love away from me? We're different. We're different. But it's the Holy Spirit that bonds us. The greatest friends I have in the church are those that are different than me. Some of the men that have helped me most spiritually are men that are completely different than me. Most of the people I've baptized are different than me. Take the example of children. They can play on the playground with another kid for an hour. And what do they say when they come back? I made a new friend. And they're excited, aren't they? Two days from now, that's their best friend. Wow. That's called humility of a child, isn't it? So many times we get to conversation with somebody, we have dialogue with somebody, we realize, oh boy, they don't like the same music we like. They don't like doing the same things I like. Uh, yeah, I'm just, when I see that brother, I'm okay, I'm going to make sure I avoid him at all costs. Well, that sister at all costs, right? But are we called to be that way? That's looking at someone from a worldly point of view. Amen? In all seriousness, we need to have that conviction to not be that way. I called a fellowship break for one minute for that simple purpose, too. Is, is there somebody in here that maybe you're not close to? Maybe somebody in here that you do not know too well? And maybe you see them day in and day out, week in and week out, and you have not made the effort to go and bond with your brother or your sister? It's a challenge for each and every one of us here, isn't it? Sometimes that's scary, too, isn't it? You're thinking, going, oh, boy, he's putting out a challenge. That's just not my character. It's not my personality. Just go up to somebody and go, hey. Right? You're probably scared if you do that, too. So you do that to Mike, you might get punched. Okay? But, hey, man, at least you did. You, at least you're being spiritual. It's, it's reaping hot coals on Mike's head, so don't worry about it. You, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. Okay? Yeah, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the heart of a child, though, there, amen, is what we need to imitate. And that's being close to one another. 
The last thing I want to talk about here is maturity. Number five, maturity. Hebrews chapter five. Let's turn there together in Hebrews chapter five. Hebrews chapter five, we're going to start here in verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Isn't it amazing how we can be 10 years old, 15 years old, 20 years old spiritually? But really, by our lack of constant use, we can really only be two years old spiritually. We can stunt our growth spiritually by not constantly training and using the word. It's even hard to distinguish good from evil. You guys notice that? The things that we once held as very strong convictions, even the things I'm talking about right now, would it have been louder for you two years ago, three years ago, five years ago? If I would have said leadership, yay, evangelism, yay, discipleship, yay, would you have cheered from the top of your lungs? Right? Or... Is it still constant use that is being applied to your lives in the word? How are your daily quiet times going? Your daily times of God, are you wrestling with the same problems over and over and over and over again without training yourself and wondering, why am I still going through this? Why am I still dealing with this? And once again, I know, I know, I think we've all experienced that at one point of our lives or another. We're maybe going through it right now, Right which is there are certain areas in our lives that we need to make sure that we are digging in God's word and training ourselves so that way we can step outside and be able to help even someone else after we get through that particular sin or that problem. But it's only going to happen through constant use of the word. In fact, the less that we read our Bibles, the softer our convictions come, isn't it? I want to hear, I want you to, I want to, I want you to read, a, read a quote for you here. This is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. People do not seem to realize that their opinion of the world is also a confession of character. It's a good quote. Let me read that again in case you didn't get it. People do not seem to realize that their opinion of the world is also a confession of character. What is your opinion about the church? about relationships, about evangelism, about leadership, about discipleship, the things that I'm talking about here right now. Do you have very, very strong opinions about that, or are you grounded spiritually about what you need to know about those areas? This is a question i got to ask myself on a daily basis, because every day Satan attacks me with something, and he takes me away from the basics. It makes me think things that I shouldn't be thinking. You know, there are two words I know that I've been able to look at myself and go, how well am I doing in my maturity? There's two words I, that have stood out for me. And those two words are what and why. When I'm going through challenging times and I'm going through situations in my life, and believe me, over the last 10 years, and I mean, good night, I, I've, I look up to brothers that have 
been Christians 15, 20, 25 years, and I go, that's exactly where I want to be. But even over the last 10 years of what I've gone through as a Christian, I've gone through some pretty overwhelming things. But I've noticed that it was two words that really helped me to identify what was my maturity level in those particular incidences. And that was what and why. Meaning this. Every time I go through what I'm going through, do I ask myself, why am I going through this right now? Why is God doing this to me? Or do I say, what is God trying to teach me? What is God trying to teach me? Drastically different. Drastically different. Because you know why? Satan will fill all your whys. He does a great job at telling you why. It's because you're inadequate. It's because you can't. He tells you all the things that you don't do, that you don't need to hear in order to have victory spiritually. He will plug in all those voids, all those whys. But when you say, what is God trying to teach me? Now you're going somewhere. Now God is going to reveal to you what he is trying to teach you. There's things I've gone through. Like I said, I, I look up and I go, I've gone through the same thing before. And I've asked myself why. And then Satan fills in the gap of the why, and then I continue on in that process of sin. I continue on doing the very things that I do not want to do because I keep asking why. But the moment that I humble out and I become, as it says here, the heart of a child, the humility of a child. And I say, what is, okay, God, what are you trying to teach me here? What are you, what are you doing, God? What are you trying to show me here? Then and only then do things get revealed to me in a totally different perspective, in a totally different way. And I start to learn things that I have not learned before. That's the beauty of God's word. It is always, it's new, isn't it? You can read the same passage 20 times, and on the 21st time, you act like you never read it before. You, ever, you know that? It's like you've never read it before. I'm going, wait a second, I know I've read the scripture a thousand times. How is it that my take on this scripture is so much different right now? And that's really because of the maturity process, right? The maturity process. God exposes what he needs to expose in your life when he needs you to say the right thing, which is what are you trying to teach me, God? I want to close out here with you in one last scripture. This is Isaiah chapter 40. In Isaiah chapter 40, we're going to start here in verse 28. You still with me? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, teens, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Amen? No one can fathom God's understanding. I love that. That way we can never tell anything that's going on in our future, right? As it says in Ecclesiastes, right? When times are good, be happy. When times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. 
God makes all things. He allows all things. Bottom line, as we know, the only thing better than becoming a disciple of Christ is staying a disciple of Christ. Amen? It's the only thing better than actually going into the waters of baptism is actually coming out and staying faithful to the day you die. That is really our goal. That is really what we're striving for day in and day out. To make sure that we're developing each and every day, trying to come back to having that heart of a child. In order to do that, we must hold to the basic foundations of our faith. The basic foundations. What I discussed here is it's nothing over our heads. But what it is is something for us to grasp. Grasp on a daily basis. I challenge you to go back on your own and reevaluate. Reevaluate these specific areas of your life and honestly answer the question. Are you still converted? Am I still converted? Am I still who I say I am? When I said Jesus is Lord, is Jesus still Lord? Is he still number one in my life? Or has he dropped in priority? Does he stay at the top of my list? So I challenge you not just to really be honest with yourself and reevaluate this for yourself, but also get a brother and sister involved in your life that will challenge you to become more for God day in and day out. Only then when we have the accountability that we need to really grow. I appreciate Doug so much. You know, yesterday, last night, you know, we celebrated his 50th birthday. And um, great milestone. Doug is a, uh, he's an awesome man of God, and I love him to death. He's a great example for me as a young man to imitate in his faith in Christ. His faith of just standing up and being a true man and being a real man. Each and every one of us, you need to look at the same thing. Look at someone in your life that you can imitate, because that's what it says, right? It says, imitate your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Look at their way of life. Look at their outcome of life to encourage you to be more and not stay where you are because you're either growing or you're dying. Amen. There is no in between. There's no purgatory. You're either growing or you're dying. So you must stand firm. You must have the conviction to push forward. And then and only then do I think we'll be able to change and become like little children. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you so much for having me speak to you.